Blog Talk Radio. Child Abuse Now show, and this is scan number 3120, that's 3120. Now, tonight we're going to have a wonderful guest, and uh, her bio is just blowing me away um, about all the things that she's accomplished, and she is one beautiful lady. You go to her um, to her uh, website, and you'll see what she looks like, and her name is Lakeisha Hall from Baltimore, Maryland. And she says here she's a force to be reckoned with. She sounds like me. That's what I think. All right. So, all right. Let me read the mission statement here. And it says here, we have a singleness of purpose at NASCA to address issues related to the childhood abuse and traumas, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so from two different ways. Number one is educating the public especially as related to getting society over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting the facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. And number two is offering hope for healing through numerous pairs and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues, and that's uh, prevention, intervention, and recovery. A lot of times when I do shows, I'll speak a lot about prevention because I think that if we all work together as a community, okay, and work much closer together, that we can't stop child abuse. But if we were more informed, the communities, um, let them know the red flags, what to look for, and they won't get in trouble if they call the cops or whomever, okay, um, and so forth and so on, that maybe a lot of kids would be saved. And, And that's what I'm all about is trying to save kids from uh, going through the things we went through or even worse, okay? This is important. So anyway, all right, so what I'm going to do now, I've read the uh, mission statement, and I had my little spiel there, and I very feel strongly about that. Um, so now, Lakeisha, you can start to tell your story. And before you do, we have Lori here, and I believe the uh, 661 area code is Phil. Um I just want to see if it is. Phil, is that you? Yes. Hello. Philip? Okay, good. Hi. I'll call on you. From, uh, yeah, good. Hi. I'll call on you from time to time. We've got quite a guest here tonight. Yes, we do. All right. You'd like her a lot. But anyway, <laughs> let me get back out of here before I get into trouble. Okay. So, Lakeisha, 
Lakeisha, why don't you um, start telling your story from your earliest, you know, memories of the abuse and so forth, and we'll go from there. Okay. Thank you, Carol, so much for such a lovely introduction. I just appreciate all of your compliments and encouragement uh, up to this point. Um, I well, you're am. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I'm really honored to be in a space where I can share my story. And um, to be honest with you, it started even before the child sexual abuse. So uh, as a child, my parents were in a domestic violence relationship. And so I grew up in a household where there was a lot of fighting, a lot of shattering glass, a lot of bruises, a lot of broken um, appliances, furniture. It was just a lot of chaos around me growing up. And that happened, it started from the day of my birth to my knowledge. It could have been before, but uh, the day I was born, there was domestic violence in the hospital (laughs) while I was in court. And so it somewhat changed. When I turned 12, that's when my parents divorced, um, there was still some conflict after that. But what ended up happening was once they officially separated, um, there was a gap in our household. My dad was no longer in the home. My mother had three children. I was the oldest. And um, there was support coming in from outside of our home, of course, to help her with maintaining the household with three young girls. And so one of those supporters was a pastor, um, and he was a family member. And so he was a trusted person in our community and our family. And, you know, no one truly had a reason to be alerted by any of his actions. What ended up happening was also simultaneously I was – a child or a teen at that time who struggled with low self-esteem. <laughs> I appreciate your kind words about how I look, but that is not how I looked in high school. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was I was bullied. I was teased. I, I felt really bad about myself. I didn't have the popular clothes and hairstyles and things like that. And so it was kind of obvious, even when you engage with me, that I was low in spirit, right? And so I think that might have been one of the ways or reasons that I was preyed on because you could see my vulnerability. Um, In addition to that, you know, the absence of my dad being in the home, I was growing into a young lady. Uh, It was just all these things happening that a lot of things that I didn't even truly understand. And then finally, I, I did at that time have kind of a, weathered relationship with my mom. Um, I can tell you now that we are in a much better place, but at that time um, it it was a a very hurtful space for me. I did not feel comfortable talking to her about a lot of things, and um, she was very strict, which, you know, I I understood with her trying to hold down the household, but Um, It wasn't very inviting. And so there was a lot of fighting between her and I, which also was seen by outside parties, the person who stepped in and became my abuser. So um, from starting at the age of 14 for two years, 
Um, the pastor, we were left with him after school for two or three days a week. And he would either allow my sister to play outside or, you know, put them to bed early. And then he sexually abused me for two years. Now, I kept this from my mother because for several reasons. One, I didn't want her to be hurt um, because she trusted him. He baptized me in his church. She took me to the church to be baptized. So I knew what position he held in her mind. And so that was one of the reasons. And also, I just wasn't sure what kind of relationship they had um, outside of family. And I'll just leave it there if you understand what I mean. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I did not want to put her in a position where she felt like she had to choose between him and I. However, um, because I didn't say anything, Carol, it aided me. It aided me so badly that I ended up, leaving home at age 16. I packed, like, all that I could in my school book bag. I had a summer job, and I asked my dad, who, you know, as I shared previously, was no longer in the home, I asked him to pick me up from work, and I asked him to allow me to stay with him, and you know, for an extended amount of time. He agreed to pick me up, and it was that day that I left home for good. That was when my physical sexual abuse ended. But when I tell you, I was still tormented um, with the thoughts of leaving my sisters behind, not knowing if they could become victims next. Uh, It was uh, draining mentally to consider that, as well as I lived with all this guilt. I had all this shame. I was still fighting uh, internally with myself around, should I say something or should I not? And who should I say that to? And so... Um, By the age of 18, I was still with my dad, getting ready to graduate from high school, and we were watching a Lifetime movie. And in this movie, because you know how Lifetime movies are, Carol, they can be so, uh, they can be triggering. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There was was a triggering scene uh, that my dad and I were watching, and I don't know what came over me, but I started to cry. Hard, like hard. I think I just was flooded with thoughts of all of the guilt and thoughts of my own past and how it was similar to that scene. My dad was looking at me very intensely, trying to figure out, was I crying because of the scene or was this something else? Because, I mean, it was like an uncontrollable time. And so when I kind of collected myself a bit, he said, you know, you okay? He's still looking at me intently. I said, yeah, you know, it's just a really sad movie. Oh, this is terrible what they did to her. You know, I'm trying to, like, play it off. He didn't bite. He prodded and prodded. And I appreciate the prodding because he cared enough, you know, to prod. And I ended up breaking down and telling him that all that I just shared with you. And I will say that in the moment, in the moment, I felt relief. I finally was like, I finally said it. <laughs> you bet. You bet. Mm-hmm. But when I tell you, I was so worried about waking up the next day and what all that entailed. But um, just get this fast forward a little bit because I do want to share this part too. Because people think that when you're out of a, a, the environment of sexual abuse, that you know you should just be able to move on with your life. <laughs> but right. Um, 
by the time I got to college, those thoughts were still with me, heavy, and I ended up trying uh, attempting suicide at age 19. I swallowed over 100 pills. I was found on my dorm bed, foaming at the mouth by my roommate, and was rushed to the hospital by ambulance, taken out of the dormitory in front of all of the other freshman girls, and I was so embarrassed. But, like, I wasn't in a position in the, in the moment to, like, like really for it to sink in. But, you know, once I went through the whole hospital process and I had to go back, I was just so ashamed. And um, it wasn't until I turned 21 years old and kind of grounded myself spiritually and in my faith um, was when I started to shift into a direction and the start of my journey towards healing. So that's my story. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, let me say something here. Well, let me, and you said it very well. Um, so often, it starts out with the, the the domestic violence. Okay, you start out with domestic violence. Mm-hmm. You're watching it, and to, or a lot of times you become of of a, a victim too. It's not just mommy who yes. gets hit. The kids get hit as well. You know, yes. and uh, you know, and this destroys a child right then and there. That's that's enough trauma. Right there, before you went mm-hmm. into the other things that you were speaking about, to watch it or to be a part of, where you're getting hit also, and that is yes. the studies on you know done on that. So that's something that's very heavy, and um, people have to understand. I wish more people would understand that if you're going to fight with your your spouse, do it outside. All right, or go somewhere else, or have someone watch the kids, and and he's going to do all that stuff. Do it somewhere else because children are very, very traumatized when they see that. Mine started at four watching that, and then my sexual abuse at six, and on and on and on and on and on. I went, holy Christopher, I'm not going to get into it. It's not my story, but I do Mm -hmm. know that domestic violence is is a is something to. you know, not to be sniffed at because a lot yeah. of kids that watch that or get hit by it, you know, they turn out with an awful lot of trouble, with a lot of problems. Let, let me let me mm-hmm. go to Lori and um, see if she'd like to add something to that or, or ask you a question. Go ahead, Lori. Hi. <laughs> I, have, I was kind of like intense listening to it. A lot of similarities. The domestic mm-hmm. violence, I can totally... Uh, I'm with you. I mean, it was a disaster, and you know, I don't know if you know or not, but your body takes on um, the trauma that you're listening to. It's an energy mm-hmm. when they're going mm-hmm. crazy over there. So yeah. it's, don't be surprised if you're, you know, like uh, have some kind of illness earlier on than normal, you know, aches, pains, stuff like that. It's just mm-hmm. the adrenaline being kept in, and literally mm-hmm. you kept everything in. I found what amazed me about you is that you were thinking about your mother, how she would feel and how it would affect her, rather than just you telling her and unloading on about what happened to you to her. Like you put her first, and at least yeah. your second. You probably put yourself third or fourth in many, many, many instances. I can kind of tell that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the low self-esteem would go right along with it, and when you do have low self-esteem and you're in school, that's what they pick you out. So yeah, they're gonna bully you. I was mm-hmm. a victim myself, and it totally changed my life. But at 
that's kind of how it plays out. You know, you can mm-hmm. almost sense which kids, you know, are having the problems and all of that kind of stuff. I found you to be brave because you left at 16. Now, not a lot of people do that. Um, yeah. I don't know if you realize it, but you have decided, so you've got the strength. You have inner strength that um, you probably didn't even know what you you know, about yourself until you look back and see what you did. So, you know, yeah. that, that's an amazing thing to me, too. So you're mature. You you were mature, you know, at that age, and you did it. Um, you did, as I don't think you noticed, but you didn't say too much about the sexual abuse you wanted to get through quickly, and you were concentrating mm-hmm. more on the people around you. You know, mm-hmm. than what happened to you. You're, you're still putting people second um, in, at times. I mean, you. I know it came a long way from where you used to be, but I can pick up that you're going to have a future still of healing and you're going to find yourself putting yourself first more. So when these triggers that are hitting you now, you know, like watching the movies and whatnot, when they come up, don't be surprised if they do come up because when you're not dealing with things on hand, um, when it happens, you don't forget it. Your body stores it just like that energy. So there's going to be a lot of triggers and more more things are going to come out. So don't, you know, don't be, like, upset that that's happening and stop worrying about other people because then that's time for you to concentrate on you, something you didn't know about yourself. So you have to, you know, constantly do that. You do that always. So um, what I also found interesting about you, did you ever find out if he abused your sisters? He did not. Um, I stayed in close contact with them, and we are still close to this day. We talk about it a, a lot now. We didn't talk about it as much before in the past. But uh, because it, you know, still very shocking to the whole family, you know, when I came out with the story. But one of the reasons I wanted to um, share quickly, in advocating for the last 20 years, I have learned that some people like to hear the details of sexual abuse for the wrong reasons. And so what I have done is, like, crafted my story in such a way that it can be packaged for people to accept that I've overcome something very hard. You don't need the details. (laughs) You just need to know that I am a survivor. And so um, I, you know, I have written a book. It's called Unholy Communion, and I I definitely detailed it there. It took me 10 years to write that book uh, because of how much detail I put into that story. And then, of course, I had to add some parts to you know, of course, disguise some people, but I um, I am not uh, oblivious to the fact that some people would want to know more about the details of the abuse. But I try to overarchingly give people like the narrative or the plot that supports what I want them to know is that I made it out of something very heavy and very hard and that they can too. Well, I think that's amazing, yeah. all right? I just want you to know. And I understand what you're doing. I get it, you know. Some yeah. people run mentally from their abuse, and I have to say this because they do, mm-hmm. 
or they become mm-hmm. overachievers, they become cutters, they be, uh, most of us become advocates, you bet, um, presenters, we write our books, and, uh, and so forth and so on. When I wrote my book, there was only one book, um, just like mine, on Amazon. That's it. Now you go to Amazon yeah. for, yeah, for child abuse, and <laughs> they're all over yeah. the place, all right? <laughs> Which is good. Don't get me wrong. I like that because that's another way of getting out there, you know, what people go through. And then um, we, we talk a lot about feelings, you know, and stuff on, and on the show because so often um, we are we are going through abuses. And, and uh, well, unfortunately, a lot of us have gone through all the abuses that I read, physical, mental, emotional, mm-hmm. you know, neglect, the whole nine yards, right? Sexual, the whole nine yards. And, uh, yeah, we have terrible feelings with that, and we do have terrible low self-esteem. And uh, it does affect, uh, I mean, I was in a tons of fights in school, right? Oh, wow, and, uh, yeah. Oh, you bet. I mean, I was always down in detention. And uh, <laughs> I think the, I think the mm-hmm. teachers got scared of me finally, you know. And then I took mm-hmm. a walk, yeah. I took a walk from school. Oh, yes, I did. And I just went and took my GED. The heck with that. Because I didn't want to be made fun of either, okay? See, mm-hmm. these things these things happen. They happen to kids. Like you said, it's like they pointed you out. You were their prey. They knew who, who to pick on. And mm-hmm. uh, kids aren't always nice either, right? Let's face it, okay? Yeah. And uh, so that bullying that goes on in school is a horrible thing. And I never felt bad about getting the heck out of that place because, um, well, I had my problems. Uh, the hoods moved in from Brooklyn. <laughs> Funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the hood boys were going to throw me. Uh, well, they they wanted to take me out. Let's put it that way. And I was in trouble. I said, you know what? This is so stupid. It's so stupid. So, yes, mm-hmm. I left school. And I ran away from uh, home quite a few times. We do this. And then if we get our GED and go from there, it's okay. It's fine because I've got all the schooling I needed. And you certainly have what you need. And uh, there's so many things that you have to talk about, you know, in um, you know, in your bio here. And uh, like I said earlier, to you, you were all laughing, but I, I saw your picture, and uh, I don't know why you wouldn't win. But let's talk a little bit about your bio. We have a lot of time left here, so there's a lot to talk about. Um, I'm going to pick something here. Oh, okay, just got something on my cell phone. Okay, you're welcome. Okay, good, good, good. All right, so tonight's special guest is Lakeisha Hall from Baltimore, Maryland, a force to be reckoned with who's dedicating her life to serving the community. Tell us how you serve the community. Go ahead, because I'm a heavy into community. Go ahead. <laughs> what do you do? Well, um, I started after moving to Baltimore, Maryland. I'm originally from North Carolina, and I moved here right out of graduating from college to take a job in the school system. So I was 22 years old, starting as a a new teacher here, and I was looking for space and opportunity to help uh, not just the young people that I was going to teach, but also other adults like me who had overcome the trauma of domestic violence and sexual abuse. And so I was volunteering for some of the local organizations that supported families in the area. What I found in those experiences early is that as great as this work and as important as this work is, 
there are still so many people that don't want to hear it. <laughs> I mean, I would, you know, sometimes we would what they call tables, and we would set up a table like at a mall or some public place, and there'd be like the tablecloth. One of the organizations I work for called Turnaround, and we I was a part of a program called Wave, which stood for Women Against Violence Everywhere. And um, and then later there was another organization, Stop the Silence, under Pamela Pine, who um, I still work with today. Uh, when I when people saw Stop the Silence on the tablecloth, sometimes they would like if they had children with them, they would cover their eyes and walk past us real fast, or they would act like they didn't see us when they did. And I, you know, I was new to volunteering at that time. I was new to advocating in the in that way, and so I became incredibly frustrated because. I'm sitting here as a person who has lived through this, looking at these children who might need to hear the information coming off of our table, and you're walking by real fast. So I ended up having a conversation with a friend, and, you know, I was sharing with her what I just said to you, and she said she was into pageantry. And, again, you got to remember, I'm coming from a past of low self-esteem. I did not consider myself a pageant girl or anything like that. And Mm -hmm. she said, you should try pageantry because people listen to you more when you you have a crown on and you get to have a platform, and this can be your platform. And initially I was just like, oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) But uh, I tried it out. Um, and this was in 2008. My first pageant was um, in Pennsylvania. And I went there with, without a lot of knowledge. I had some minimal coaching before I, go, I had gone. And the one question I got asked on stage was, what was the hardest challenge I ever had to overcome? <laughs> so instinctively, and just being honest, I blurted it out. This was a Christian pageant, by the way. I'm in a room full of people who go to church, okay? So mm-hmm. I said it with as much confidence as I had in me. I said I was sexually abused by a pastor as a teen, but I overcame it as an adult. And I want to, you know, share with others that there's hope and there's healing. When I said that, I could hear the light coming on the ceiling. No one said a word. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I know what that's so like. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm standing there, like, trying to be uh, poised and all of that, and everybody's looking at me. And I felt in that moment, I said, oh, gosh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah. Uh, but I will tell you, I should have said it. I think it was just for the people receiving what they heard, it was shocking because they, they did not expect someone who was standing there smiling, standing up straight, poised with this gown on to say that, you know? Right. And so mm-hmm. um, what ended up happening was uh, after that, I felt empowered because so many people came up to me after the pageant, which I won, by the way, and um, they were – just asking me, like, how did you have the courage to say that and share that and ask just more questions and applauded me for being courageous. So it was from that time forward that I continued the advocacy for pageantry, so I won several pageants after that. And then I started my own organizations, one 
for Teen Girls called Queendom Tea, which stands for the Etiquette Academy. I went all the way to Switzerland, from Baltimore to Switzerland, to mentor young ladies, of course, in the areas of self-confidence and self-esteem and things like that. But um, the foundation of my program was teaching them how to be safe and what to do in times of abuse or threat of abuse. And so um, I started that organization in 2008. I started another organization years later called She Rose Awards, where I honored unsung survivors of sexual abuse and domestic violence. These were people who had never told their stories before, and I kind of coached them through how to tell their stories and gave them the platform to do so at a gala um, where they could be supported by family and friends. So outside of that, um, I've just been um, a, a, like a fierce advocate for this cause um, on social media and beyond. I am an artist, and I've used art to create a campaign. That's my most current uh, uh, volunteer. Well, you know, let me, let me stop you for a second there. Let me stop mm-hmm. you for a second there. Yes. See, I know what you're talking about because I used to watch all those beauty pageants from years ago, okay, <laughs> And uh, I, I did that, and and I was uh, that when, if someone was working like in the field, like what you're doing, um, mm-hmm. people would listen to them, you know, at least in, in, the, yeah. in that audience. All right, <laughs> you know, and yeah. you don't have to do tabling there. I get it. So, um, and you know, the problem with that is, you know, the problem with all of this whole blasted thing is, is people say to me, and and you probably have heard the same thing. I want my children to have a, a childhood, and I don't want them to be afraid. I want them to have a good time. And what they don't realize, Lakeisha, you know this. We all know this as survivors on this show. If you do not educate your children, okay, mm-hmm. about the red flags out there, if you do not educate the parents, and here we go back to community again, um, about the red flags of what's going on in our world, because you can't push it away. It's out there then your child is much more in a very, very bad position of being abused, okay, Mm -hmm. because they're not going to know either what to look for. So this is why we we strive so hard on on NASCA to teach. I like to teach people. I've I've been in teaching positions, okay, with professors. And, you know, to get that information out. And if you do tabling again, I suggest you go to our NASCA website, and find the the ten, or they have two. They one one is ten, and the other one is is seventeen. Uh, signs of child abuse, and make copies, mm-hmm. hand them out. See, when people leave with a piece of paper in their hand, maybe they'll take the the cover off of the kid's eyes to grab the paper. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And then yeah. when they get home, when they get home, then they can sit down quietly and read it because we have to teach people to teach their children. And this is so, so mm-hmm. important. So maybe we can put a dent in those statistics of child abuse. But yeah. I do know that I do know that when you're a, a beauty queen, okay, when you're, mm-hmm. you're in those things, uh, and um, I had a friend that had entered a, a beauty contest. It was just a county one, but she was a, a very pretty girl. And I'll never forget it. She was in a bathing suit. She had high heels on, and she fell. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> and she, I don't know if you remember what Doris Day looked like. You're too young. 
But uh, Doris Day was uh, she has short blonde hair and was a very pretty woman. And uh, uh-huh. this is what this gal looked like. And I can just picture her because she could have gone further. She could have gone farther. And she had quite a background to talk about. And she could have been doing the advocating that you're speaking about. But she mm-hmm. walked with these high, high heels. I think they were like three or four inches high. And um, <laughs> they're back again, by the way. Oh, boy. And uh, and she fell in front of all those people. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. Yeah. But, you know, oh, my when you Oh, yeah. But when you have that position, yes, a lot of people do use different topics. Um, some mm-hmm. might be musicians, some might be authors, of, of whether they probably maybe they write about butterflies. I don't know what they're writing about. It's not child abuse. But then there's someone like you who comes along where you're an advocate, where you can express yourself, you know, as to how much you want to say, you know, but the people mm-hmm. get the idea, you know, of what you've been through. And um mm-hmm. That helps open up people's eyes, too, you know, by entering all these uh, beauty contests. So I wish you a lot of luck on that. And uh, maybe you can get people to sponsor, you know what I'm saying, Um, certain organizations and and so forth. Um, We live and breathe child abuse on this show. That's what we do because Mm -hmm. we don't want those kids out there going through what we went through, and we live to talk about it. And some some of us were very close to death at times. So, you know, it's very, very strong to us and and very important to get that out. Now, you, young lady, (laughs) you sound like you're 22, but I know you're not. Um, But anyway, (laughs) I don't know. But I'll take it because in a week, in a few days, I'll be 42. (laughs) Well, hallelujah. Let me tell you something. You sound 22. There you go. Let me ask you, did you, did you, she really does, did you ever get help for what happened to you? I mean, did you ever see a, a social worker, a counselor, I'm a counselor, a therapist, whatever, mm-hmm. a psychiatrist, whatever. Um, did you ever think that you needed that? And did you ever turn mm-hmm. to alcohol and drugs like so many of us do, did, I did, and Bill did, and so many others did, you know. Um, did you ever go down that route? That's an excellent question, and I'm actually asked that question a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I I can tell you I did not go the route of alcohol, drugs, um, promiscuity. I I didn't go that route because I think a a part of my childhood was also very, very faith-based, and those things were taught against when I was growing up, so I was just always fearful of those things. (laughs) It wasn't, Mm -hmm. um, I I think that if I didn't have that church foundation, even though that was rocky, um, if I didn't have the church foundation, I could have gone down, you know, a very hard, a different hard route because the route I did go down was hard, but it just wasn't that one. Um, But I did seek out help in college. Um, Right after the uh, suicide attempt, they they wouldn't allow me to actually leave the hospital without signing a release saying that I wouldn't attempt suicide again and that I would see the counselor um, assigned to me. So I, I got counseling services at that time. Who she was so instrumental in supporting me. Not so she thought that she was going to help me through 
um, the suicide attempt. But when she found out the why behind it, she kind of adopted me, like, as a mentee. And until I graduated from that school, her and her husband kind of took me in. Because I was awarded a state by that time. After I left home, um, I didn't any longer have any um, financial or family backing. So um, I stayed on campus through the summers when everybody packed up and went home and all of that. So this counselor uh, was instrumental. Uh, I will tell you, one of the best versions of therapy for me was repeatedly telling the story over and over to different Mm -hmm. audiences. Uh I felt Uh so empowered because people would just be in awe thinking that I was doing something that they were not able to do. And, again, (laughs) I'm thinking – I I don't even know why I'm doing this, <laughs> you know. Right, and right. It wasn't just the counseling. It was a lot of being co- bold enough and courageous enough, essentially, over time, telling my story. Like, after telling it maybe the first five or ten times, Carol, I, and Lori, I will tell you, I, you know, I felt like I could do anything. And no <laughs> one could take me back to that dark place. And that's really where I felt like my healing kind of started. Right, right. You know, that that's a that's a good point. And that's something that we talk so much. I'm going to go to Lori in a minute, and then I'll go to Phil and see if he just wants to listen, if he wants to say a couple things. Um, but anyway, the point is, um, the more you tell your story, okay, people out there who are listening, and we have a lot of people that listen through the computer, okay, they do that because mm-hmm. they don't want to come on in. They're not they're mm-hmm. bashful or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Obviously, I'm not bashful. You're not bashful. Okay, so you know, <laughs> um, you know, it takes like uh, some people are just so scared, you know, to even hear it. And maybe they get triggered a lot too. Like like Lori was talking about the triggering things, and uh, so they'd rather stay, you know, listening, you know, and, and through the computer. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, but the more we tell our stories, it's true. The stronger mm-hmm. we get. And then if we go and, you know, don't be discouraged with the tabling. I know it sounds discouraging, and people do act stupid. I'm sorry. They just act ignorant, um, and they're yeah. trying so hard to uh, shield their children from reality is what's happening there. And um, mm-hmm. and I, I do know that uh, one time I did tabling, um, and actually was at a college. It wasn't the centenary one that I usually worked with, but it was another one, and um I had a bunch of cards all over the table, and it was mm-hmm. all, you know, our NASA cards, and they left, a lot of the kids left them, okay? I usually worked with universities, that's why, okay? And yeah. I had left, yeah, and I had left paper also that I had, uh, you know, made from just what we have on our website, that's NASCA, by the way, dot org, and you do get an awful lot of information from our website. A lot of times I didn't have to do research. I already had, you know, our website. So, uh, but, you know, it depends on the people that you're talking to, the crowd, um, and the ages, the ages also. And uh, then the way you speak, you have to learn how to speak, you know, to uh, the people. And, and you get like a sense about you know, after a while of what kind of yeah. people they are. Are they like prudish? Okay. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Or, or like, have they been there before and uh, they're here and they're listening? You know, what type of people uh, is your audience? 
So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things you learn as you go along the way. And But the point is you get yourself out there if you can do it. A lot of people can't mm-hmm. do that. They don't want to do yeah. presentations. You know, they find other ways. Um, and that's okay, too, you know, just so that we get it out there so that people, you know, start realizing, first of all, how much it happens. And, and they themselves have to learn the red flags and then teach your children. You know, they just simply have to because look at the world we live in. Okay. Yeah. You know, look at look look at the look at our world. But let me let me see what Lori has to say and, and but before I put her on, let me see, Philip, is, is there something that you wanted to ask or make a comment about? Stop being vulnerable. I didn't hear what he said. My mouth didn't work right, so How? I I only got half of what you said. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> That's all right. What'd you say? Um, how long was it until you stopped being vulnerable? How long was it until? Until you weren't vulnerable anymore. Oh, until I wasn't vulnerable anymore. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I can honestly say, so one of the things that I teach the audience is when I do talk to them about healing the process, my story is that healing is a lifelong journey. There is no destination where you're like you've arrived and you no longer have to worry about what happened in your past. Uh, Now, it doesn't have to torment us forever, but we always will have, I think, a bit of vulnerability because of the experience. Um, I will tell you I'm not as triggered anymore anymore. you know, I can hear or I can watch a movie now and not be triggered. Now I'm in a position mentally where I'm ready to educate someone who has questions about that kind of scene in the movie. Or um, also, you know, you know, being around people who are talking about it, who are misinformed, I, after being an advocate for so long, I kind of step into the role of educator instead of a victim, if that makes sense. And so... I think most of my vulnerability might come in when people don't understand or are not trying to understand. For example, when I'm trying to express uh, that, you know, abusers are not always people that we don't know. Sometimes it could be people in our family, people that are notable in our community, or people that we would never imagine could hurt a child or a person, and they just, like, will argue you down that that's not possible or it couldn't be Pastor Johnny or whatever. So those would be the moments where I might get really intense and emotional because <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm trying to tell you something here. Listen. <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, I think, honestly, like I said earlier, after the first five or ten times I told my story to audiences, I felt empowered enough to do it where I wasn't um, super emotional, where I wasn't crying. I just felt good about letting people know that they could make it like I did and come out on the other side and potentially help others in the same way. And I agree with you, Carol, 100%. Everybody's not going to call in. Everybody's not going to speak out, and that's okay, but we all still play a role in making sure our children and adults are safe 
And so if we all know our roles, it's important not only that the kids are educated, but adults too on how to respond to these situations so that we can remove this uh, disease that seems to be, like, spreading constantly. Well, that's that's true. It's so true. And I got so mad one day. I was over in PA in Pennsylvania, and this lady didn't want to take my paperwork. (laughs) And I chased her down the street. (laughs) Yes, I did. I was determined. Look, you don't have to listen to what I'm saying, okay? But at least take this home and read it, for God's sake. You know? (laughs) So I was chasing her. And uh, finally she grabbed it and she said, oh, and I said, oh, back and left. <laughs> Funny. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. People probably think I'm nuts. I really don't care. That's another thing. When you get a little bit older and you've gone through all the things we have, you don't care anymore what people think. You're, doing, you're out there yeah. with a mission. You're with a, with a mission. Yes. And we get over that, that icky feeling like you were talking about. You know, when we do start our presentations or whatever it is, teaching or whatever we're doing. And, um, you know, and then you just don't care anymore what people think. You you Mm -hmm. put it out there, and either they're going to accept it, they're not going to accept it, but you've done your job. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Yes. So thank you for for that. And and let me go to uh, to Lori, okay? And then uh, I'll have Bill say uh, say hello. Go ahead, Lori. Is there something you want to uh, mention or, or ask a question of? Go ahead. If you were in person and I saw you in person, um, I did, of course, read your story, but I didn't get to the web page. I had a mishap over here today. And I'm kind of glad because now I, I'm able to hear the inside of you without yeah. having to see the outside. Um the attention that you've attracted and what you've been able to do with it and how many things you got yourself into and what you created and what's going to be on your future. I mean, it just is. Um, I also thought you were younger than you than you are. Uh, and happy birthday when that comes. <laughs> um, but like I said, if, I would be standing applauding you if I were in person because I think you were an amazing gift. Um, that um, unfortunately, you know, everything that happened to you was horrible, and you know, my heart goes out to you. But I sometimes look in the the big picture kind of thing because I'm older, you know, and I, I'm basically looking back and track and see how things affected who and where they ended up and whatnot. And um, you're so far into the future, that when you finally get to, uh, say, another 20 years, what you're going to accomplish is going to be, like, major. It's going to oh. be, it's going to be, like, all over, like NASCAR. I mean, you're, you're the family member here. It's You're the person that's going to take this cause and to mm-hmm. where it's supposed to be by what mm-hmm. you're doing. And, it, and I was listening to you, you know, the way you, we're talking to Philip. You're you're such a wonderful speaker. I mean, you you pick up everything and anything there is that pertains to what's asked of you. So you, you. and I'm very welcome. You, you're you're just a well. It's hard to say it, but on this show, you're a delight. You know, because you are so upbeat and you've come so far with. What happened to you? It's, it's a pleasure just to 
know that somebody really is like happy and has everything that you have going for you is it's amazing you are amazing oh yeah. i truly appreciate that lori thank you so much oh you're very welcome she's she's wonderful and i've, I've got the bio in front of me you see it too and uh, but she founded i don't know if you realize all the things she founded lakeisha founded the she rose awards Okay, mm-hmm. she rose awards to offer a platform to abuse survivors to share their own stories. That's like what we do here, all right? Mm-hmm. Beginning her skills in mentoring at age 16, and she also spent hours locally and abroad mentoring via Quidam TEA, oh, yeah, the, the Etiquette Academy. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I could learn a little bit more about etiquette. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Commit encouraging and teaching teenage girls about personal safety. That's very important. Uh, mm-hmm. Feminine etiquette and positive self-esteem. She is the award-nominated and best-selling author of the memoir, Unholy Communion. I should read that. Anyway, Unholy Communion and a self-esteem journal for young girls positively bodyful and the co-author of more than 10 additional books i mean you're just a busy gal aren't you <laughs> yes you and are my god on the way um there's one on the way that will be released in april i believe this year um stop the silence with pamela pine from that organization mm-hmm. that's wonderful and you see mm-hmm. we need people like you I'm talking about the world here. I'm talking about the and, and communities. I mean, with the community. See, I'm a community buff. I try so hard to work with community people. Uh, I've worked with the homeless and all this other stuff. Things that need mm-hmm. to be addressed. Things that need to be addressed, okay? Not this, no, maybe they're not say it, uh, the air that we're breathing and, and getting electric cars. I won't say any more. I won't say any more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, you know, look. I believe in looking at what's really a problem in the world. And the problem in the world is that our our country is, is falling apart. And we have yeah. more. Every, all the stats that you've heard of as you've gone along, and this includes myself also, I realize, you know, even through research, and if not my research, and I'm hearing it somewhere else, and, and uh, the boob tube is a lot of people like to call it, the stats have tripled. Yeah. They've tripled. Mm-hmm. So you've got yourself a big job ahead of you when you're out there advocating to try and get people to understand, you know, the significance of of what child abuse does to a child and how big it is, how big it is. And it's just growing all the time. And then the trafficking issues, there's all kinds of, you know, that's tripled also because of, you know, many people coming into our country. And that's what they do with mm-hmm. the poor kids. They put them out on the street or they use people for labor, okay, labor work. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe those that uh, are a little bit older, say they're in their 30s instead of their 20s or, or teenage years, whatever. Um, actually, it starts at the age of 12 with trafficking now. So you see, um, th- these are all issues that need to be addressed and, and people have to learn about. And how can you tell a child who's being trafficked out by just looking at them? And mm-hmm. it's all about, you know, body motion, too, you know, no eye contact, right? The low self-esteem that you speak about. We all had that. 
and uh, the low self-esteem because of the ways that we were brought up and how we thought about ourselves and all the bullying mm-hmm. in school and all this other stuff until we took you know matters into our own hands. And with some of us, it took us a lot longer because of the drinking and the drugging, and we had to get through all of that before we could get to a point where we could be teachers or we could work in the schools or we could write our books and, and do presentations mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. Now, you, you're a beauty queen. That's what you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> and that's good because people listen to you. Um, I used to watch those pageants all the time. And I don't know if they've changed or what, but, um, you know, I don't know too much about the pageants of today. But I was watching pageants back in 2008. Yes, I was. And maybe I even yeah. saw you. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I may have. Yeah. And, you know, and, I, uh, I didn't start pageantry. It started in my classroom as a teacher. Um, I, the students, when they learned to trust me, uh, mm-hmm. would tell me my story back. And it bothered me so much that I kept hearing from girls to girl to girl. It, it was a lot, a lot more girls than the young men, of course. It's always like that, unfortunately. But um, they were telling me stuff like, you know, there's okay. something happening, but I can't talk to my mom about it, you know. And so I knew what that meant. That she didn't even have to go into detail. And so um, I, I honestly can't even probably attribute some of my beginnings to my students because at once I formed relationships with them and they trusted me, they were the reason why I gained a lot of my courage to speak out because I was just tired of hearing it from them. Not because I didn't want to hear it from them, but because I didn't want it to happen to them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, we all have to, like, grow on our healing journey. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. we get to a, yeah. And, look, we're babies when we first start our, our healing journey. I mean, you know, it's a new thing to us is what I mean by that statement. And uh, mm-hmm. we make mistakes along the way. And uh, then it comes uh, self-awareness. You know, um, I know I made a lot of mistakes when I was out, you know, on the street and all this other kind of stuff. And, uh, and then I had to forgive myself for the way maybe that I behaved, okay? And yet mm-hmm. it all goes back home, you know, from the environmental conditioning. You know, this is what we go through. This is, and, and we run away from home to get away from abuse. And a lot of times we get abuse on the outside, you know. I was mm-hmm. lucky. I was lucky I had people on the street that loved me. And I was like their kid sister. And, and, and they, they took care of me, basically. So... Yeah. But not all kids go through that. But I did watch the girls and boys, too, that were mm-hmm. being pimped out on the street. I saw that. Mm-hmm. I saw it. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, they didn't have anybody to help them. They had no one to help them. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's a horrific thing. So when you said that you ended up, um, I believe you said that you'd ended up, um, did, did you go to foster care? Or what would what, you do? You didn't have uh, help, financial aid. What happened with you? I just stayed with people who took me in until I needed to go to my next place. So mm-hmm. I went from high school to college. Over the summers, I would stay with um, adult friends or uh, like like my dad's girlfriend, I would stay with her at her home mm-hmm. over the summer. And it would only be until I had to go back to school. And then, right. like, when I was transitioning from North Carolina to Maryland, 
uh, one of the church members um, uh, rented the U-Haul for me because I didn't have my license, and I put all my stuff in there, and she drove me to Maryland. So she dropped me off. (laughs) I had to figure the rest out. But I was staying on campus from that point forward. So I kind of just, like, made do, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it it makes a lot of sense because that's what happens. I went from home to home. I mean, family home, though, okay, different family members and close Mm -hmm. people like that for several years. And then my mother got it together. She got remarried, and uh, we moved out to Staten Island. And, uh, well, bad things happened there. I'm not going to say it because this is your show, not mine. But the point is uh, I I had a taste of going from house to house to house to house Mm -hmm. before I ended up in the house. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, you know, so it's it's a bad feeling, though, because – Sometimes you feel like you're imposing, you know, you're in someone's home. And and like one house I was in, I love my cousins, okay, they're wonderful people. But they had a a small ranch like I have right now. And uh, Mm -hmm. they had three children. And um, they didn't need another kid, all right? They Mm -hmm. didn't need it. And uh, I felt like I was, like, imposing on them, like I was, I shouldn't be in there, you know. And, and they didn't say anything to me exactly, but at times I could tell. And uh, I don't think that I was the easiest kid to be around, <laughs> you know, because, yeah. you know, when you're a, a child of abuse, either you implode or you explode. It seems like there's something, it takes a while before you get into the middle there and become somewhat, mm-hmm. I will say, normal, Okay. Uh, like mm-hmm. the normies, all right, like the normies. And, um, you know, so it, it, it's a transition that people go through. They go through a transition emotionally, psychologically, and, and uh, physically, mentally, every way, every way that you can go through, and spiritually, okay. So mm-hmm. um, going from place to place to place, from school to school to school, uh, uh, you know, and then finally just plain leaving, saying, screw you, I've had enough, I've seen enough. And, and getting a GED and then wanting to do better than that, though, um, you mm-hmm. know, that's a job in itself. I don't have to tell you that. And um, and I got what I needed to satisfy the state, but I remember all the things that I went through. And it's not yes. an easy process. And that's what I mean by the healing journey. You do it spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, mm-hmm. and, you know, economically and, and all kinds of stuff. So we have a harder time than the kids. I mean, did you ever look at families? Yes, because mm-hmm. I know I did this a lot. And, oh, you know, you'd see the the, the family car. And in my days, it was a station wagon. Oh, my God. And with the door yeah. hanging his head out the window. And they're going on vacation. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, I wish I could be in that family. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I knew, I knew that I wasn't right. And we know these things. So mm-hmm. some people just simply implode. They don't they don't move forward. And mm-hmm. what you're doing here is my God, you're doing more than moving forward, you're flying, all right? <laughs> you <laughs> just you've gotten involved with so many different things. And um what's it say here? Serving youth in Baltimore City Public Schools for twenty years and winning teacher of the year in two thousand eighteen. That is so yeah. wonderful. That's so wonderful. So grateful for that experience and opportunity. I truly was doing all that I could 
right by kids, and um, it took them a long time to discover me because most teachers of the year are discovered in their first five to eight years or so. Mm-hmm. And I was 16 years into my journey <laughs> before they realized what I was doing. But um, I, I, will, I can also say that my experiences through the trauma and abuse, I think, made me a better teacher, to be honest, mm-hmm. because I didn't see where, where another teacher might have gotten really frustrated with what they called a bad student. I would always question, like, what's happening with them? Yeah. Because I knew yeah. how I was in school. I wasn't a like a bad student or anything, but I was extremely talkative. I was very withdrawn sometimes. Um I had I had some struggles and so when I see youth struggling, I'm always asking myself the question, like, how can I reach them to find out what's really going on? I know that they're not upset at me, I know that they're not, not doing their work in school because they don't like my class. There could be something else going on that we're not aware of and they're not ready to share yet, right? And so building relationships with with my students was so important to me. I have an entire Instagram account of the last maybe seven or eight years of my work in the classroom that's followed by over 10,000 people because I think a lot of them were not Affecting uh, what I was able to do with high school students in Baltimore City, <laughs> this little country girl from North Carolina. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> what a difference! Yeah, go ahead, man. <laughs> well, you've come but, a long way, country girl. All right, and you're not I the have, typical country Carol. girl. All right. <laughs> um, do you listen to country and western music? You know, I used to really like Tania Twain and Carrie Underwood and a couple of others, but I was told as I got older that they weren't they weren't considered real country. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I don't know. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, you know, no one knows no one knows better than we who have walked the uh, walk, okay, of child abuse. Mm-hmm. They can make up songs, and if they haven't really been there, the songs are going to sound phony, okay? Because mm-hmm. I, I used to do a lot of singing in New York City, and I loved that. That was a good time in my life. And um, mm-hmm. there were five of us, and we were the Fab Five. Yes, we were. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. But, you know, and so I had good experiences. I mean, many of us, but I, I speak to people who swear that they can't look back and see any good times in their life. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't know how to create good times in their life. They don't know mm-hmm. how to make their life better because their life was so bad and there was not, no sunshine in between. You know what I'm saying? No sunshine in between. And, and mm-hmm. those are the hardest people to work with. And, and uh, so, you know, these kids that are out on the streets are doing all kinds of things they're doing today and, and so forth and so on, you know, you have to look back into their families. I don't like it when people say they're bad kids and stuff like this. Yeah. Yes, they're acting badly. Mm-hmm. They're acting mm-hmm. badly. But it doesn't mean that they're – maybe they have really a good heart and they just don't know it yet, okay, because they mm-hmm. are what they've come from. And uh, they have to learn how then to become, you know. So yeah. it's it's very hard, you know, working with kids. I've done that. And, um, you know, 
I, I was actually afraid of a couple of them, <laughs> to be yeah. honest with you, because they, they, they committed adult crimes, all right? So, you know, it, what I'm trying to get across here is you, you came from the background that you came from, mm-hmm. all right? And, and I could identify with you when you were talking about when you finally opened up to your father, all right, and mm-hmm. you told him everything that happened, you know, with the preacher and all that stuff, and I, and I can under, I can identify that you didn't want to tell your mother. I certainly wouldn't have told my mother some of the things that happened because she wouldn't believe me. She didn't care anyway, all right? I don't yeah. know where your mother mm-hmm. was in that, okay? Um, maybe she was so needy, your mother herself, from what you were expressing before, yeah. that she needed that, uh, you know, with the preacher. She needed that um, relationship with the preacher and mm-hmm. and so forth. And none of us are perfect people, all right? Mm-hmm. But we have to do better as parents, you know, so that our kids have a, a chance in life so that they don't grow up, you know, with all the things that uh, we had to go through. Did you ever get married or do you have any children? I meant to ask you that. I am happily married. Um, this is my year of marriage, and um, I have a cat. I do not have children of my own, but I have four nieces and nephews and thousands of students that I've taught over the years who are still in contact with me today. <laughs> so mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, That's great. I just, um, I feel like I, I definitely have the nurturing touch internally and externally in, in my family and then extend it to, you know, students. So, You see, you know you've done a good job. I've said this before, and I think it's true. <laughs> Seriously, um, like um, if you have kids that come back to you, you know, to say hello and want to keep in touch with you one way or another, maybe they want to, maybe they're on spring break or whatever, and they want to stop yeah. in and say hello, they're near you and things like that. Um, you know, you've done a good job. Okay, that's in foster yeah. care too. All right, and in foster care yeah. also, the ones that keep in touch. Because they have, so, you did something. Those people are foster care parents, where the kids do get in touch, you know, and they do want to, you know, stay in touch. They should feel proud of themselves because they did a good job with these kids. Mm-hmm. And what you're speaking about, kids wanting to still, you know, keep in touch with you, that shows that you taught them something, you gave them something that they didn't have. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you should feel yeah. proud of yourself on that. Okay, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Let me go to Bill. I know he's working, but I want to see if he wants to say hello to you. <laughs> hello, ladies. <laughs> I've been here. Hi, Bill. Working in the background, but listening to the whole show, and I appreciate you being with us, Patricia. It's really important that we have your voice, specifically yeah. your voice. <laughs> and you've done yeah. a terrific job, as everybody said, with telling your story and and uh, telling your perspective on, um, you know, on child abuse and its trauma and, and how to recover from it. So we're, we're just very grateful that you're here. We want you to know that you can engage with us in a whole bunch of different ways, and um, we would love to have you. So the ladies will probably tell you some ideas maybe later, but <clears throat> but right now um, just I want to thank you in general for uh, you know, for the commitment that you made, and that's what it is. Um, yeah. you, you commit you commit to telling your story. That makes you a part of the NASCAR family, of course. <laughs> we feel that way. So um, 
you know, you're, you're never going to not be a member of the NASCA family from now on. It means you can get, you can engage in any way you want um, with us, and we'd be delighted to have you. So, thank you. Yeah, you know, thanks again. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Bill. And you know what, what he says is true. You know, this is a family here. Okay. Now. You know, we, we, we're supposed to support each other. We're supposed to help each other in times where they need help, whatever the case might be. And um, because so many people out there don't have families, they really don't. Mm-hmm. So they can they know that they can come here, you know, and or they can contact one of the NASCA people, but they're a NASCA family themselves, you know. And, uh, you know, we talk to each other. We help each other. Um, I'm the night owl. <laughs> I'm the night owl. And... <laughs> Yeah, I'm so much a night owl. I'm lacking vitamin D now. I got to take pills. <laughs> it's funny, oh. but you know, I have now. I have to sit in the sun more. That that's what I have to do, and, and then take these pills for a while. But mm-hmm. you know, you need that service because I don't know about you, but in the AM things seem scarier. Okay, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, it, it might be um, a little bug on the floor, but it seems like a monster. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or you know, or yeah, or it could be an emotion, a feeling, um, or maybe you get triggered over something, and then you need someone, you know, to talk to. You just simply do. So, mm-hmm. and actually, we do have. I'll mention this. We have a contact list, and um, I have written in there the, the night owl because people can turn to me in the AM, and many times they do. And um, what we do have also, we have a program. Okay, we have programs. And I just want to mention this briefly. Um, I usually do it at the beginning of the show, but I didn't, but it's good if I do. Um, people uh, who are looking for help on NASCA, yes, you've got the contact list. But also on the contact page, the uh, org, org. If you turn on to our front page here of the website, you'll see um, red blocks, okay, and on these red blocks, there's different categories. And the first category on the first left-hand side is programs. Many times mm-hmm. I send people to these programs, and I've gotten some positive, a lot of positive, actually, feedback. And a lot of guys go to these programs, and that's fine, okay? So it's so simple to do. All you do is click on programs, and you'll see the world spinning around the left-hand side right there. And uh, you know you're in the right place. And you scroll down a little bit more, and you'll find the United States. And you go to, you know, where you are. I'm from New Jersey. Okay, that's my state. I am now from New Jersey. And um, Mm -hmm. they call us Dirty Jersey now, by the way. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I should leave. But anyway, um, you know, (laughs) I don't know. But anyway, um, so I would go, I would click on to New Jersey, and this um, menu drops down. Bill likes to call it a menu, and that's ba- basically what it is. And and you can just find, like, I'm in a certain area of New Jersey, I find that area, click on to that, and you'd be surprised how many programs there are, okay? Mm-hmm. There's programs that people can click on to if they need help, all right? So I do make mention of that so that people – if they don't want to call the night owl and they want to find a program, that's the way to do it. And I have to say 
that most of these programs do not charge. There are some that do charge, but it's a small amount. It's not a huge amount, okay? So that's, mm-hmm. I had to get that off my chest. So you see, this way people are never alone. They're never alone. They've got NASCA people to call, and they've got programs that they can go to. They just don't even know that they uh, exist, Lakeisha, because they don't have a sign outside that says, uh, have you been abused as a child, uh, welcome, or something. <laughs> that doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. or like uh, with AA, it doesn't have a sign outside. You know, it's going to say things that, you know, that's all, you know, kept secret. And, and so is mm-hmm. this. So if you, and I'm telling you this because you're a teacher and you come in contact with the parents and come in contact with schools and all this other stuff, and and also with the parents and the children, if you look at that page, you might be able to help someone by sending them to a program, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's just something to keep in mind. I tell everyone that. And, uh, again, I've gotten emails back from people where they're really happy because now, Maybe they were real. Maybe they had imploded. They didn't want to be around people at all, right? Mm-hmm. Because they were so injured. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so then they let me take a baby step, and I'll go to a program. And then what do they do? They meet people that are just like them, like we. Okay, they have yeah. all different kinds of programs. So yeah, that's something good to keep in mind. So, you know, we're coming to the end of the show pretty soon. Now, I want Lori to get in there before I get you on, um, you know, and, and uh, we'll have it a little more talk about, you know, what you have written here. And uh, mm-hmm. so, Lori, um, is there something that you'd like to uh, ask? Um, your future, um, what is the big plan that you have? You know, it's coming to mind. Say, like, it's going to be implemented and in 10 years. What is it that you want to see yourself doing? Instead, you know, as you're growing, you're doing um, well, like a, more stuff than I could do in a lifetime. But there's a master plan um, mm-hmm. that's going to be the head of it. And I'm, I'm curious what it looks like to you. That is a great question. I mentioned earlier that I'm an artist, and I started uh, two campaigns through hashtags. One is hashtag reveal your teal, which I do in April for child abuse and sexual abuse prevention. And then my second one is restore your royalty, which I do in October for domestic violence prevention. So um, I galvanize survivors or supporters of survivors from all over the world to create art using the awareness colors. And then we uploaded the social media with statistics, facts, and hopeful messages um, using that hashtag so that it can easily be found by people who are seeking out hope and inspiration. And so years from now, I would like that to move um, to maybe more of an organization versus just a a social campaign that supports survivors in a more um, concrete way maybe. Like it's very concrete now, but I would like it to be more community-based in the sense that we're not just looking at each other's art, but maybe we're coming together to create it and we're doing it in our own communities 
where I don't have to host it. And um, I don't know, Lori, you might have just planted a seed because I'm now my mind is like twirling with all these ideas. <laughs> and when you but, come across people, they plant seeds. <laughs> Be you yes. gotta be aware of that. You're in a direction whether you know it or not. You know, someone's yeah. leading you. You think you're making your own decisions, you know, but you really have a path planned for you already. I'm just yeah. trying to find out how much you know about it. <laughs> have you accepted <laughs> it? Mm-hmm. Are you gonna use it and just fly with it? Yeah, so that's what I'm trying to find out. Really she's wonderful. It. So yeah, she's wonderful. I, I have I have another phone call. I want to get on here really quick, Ooh. really quick. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah. Thank you, thank you for that, Lori. Yes, um, I'm sure she did plan to see that. I think that's good. And you have so much to offer. And, and Lori always comes out with such wonderful things. I love when she's on the show. Okay, area code two one six. She's great. Two one six. Area code. Who am I speaking to? Yeah, hi. Uh, can you hear me? Um, yes. My name is uh, my name is uh, Nancy. Okay. Hi, Nancy. Hi. Did you want to just listen, or do you have a comment? Because the show's almost over, so I didn't want to ignore you. Because I don't like it when people think they're ignored or something. And I just saw your telephone number. Um, yeah. So you've been listening uh, to the had, whole I show. Had, uh, I had to. Uh, be at Best Buy to get some stuff done for my phone so I couldn't join earlier. So I've just oh, been listening. Okay. okay. Well, that's good. Anyway, you can call in, you know, five nights a week, you know, that Monday through Friday. And um, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays we have guests. And then on Tuesdays and, and Thursdays we have, yes, the uh, survivor professionals, okay, they come on and, and do their thing. So anyway, um, I'm glad that uh, that you're listening and we've got such a wonderful guest here, and um, we have a very good panel, too, and I'm thankful for that. And um, So I'm going to get back then to speaking to you. Our show is just mm-hmm. about over. What would you leave with people? What type of hope would you give people? Um, well, I want to reiterate the thing that I teach others. Um, healing is a lifelong journey. Uh, don't be hard on yourself when you feel like you haven't reached this destination yet because that destination does not exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we, and it's okay that we continue to heal. Um, and I also want to add that one of the ways that I heal is through my art. I have a brand called Confident Canvas, and you can find me everywhere on social media under that name. But um, join me if you are interested in using art as a form of personal therapy, meaning um, I'm not a licensed therapist or anything, but art has helped me to personally release some of the heaviness and emotions and anxieties that I've had over the years. I'm an avid journaler. I journal positive things, and I have stacks of journals that are filled with this information to leave behind for those I love when they experience hard days. And so just try to document every day one or two things that you're grateful for that you might not have thought about on on a regular day. So, for example, sometimes we'll say, I'm grateful for my family. Well, you're always grateful for family, but maybe be more specific and think about your day um, and what happened in that day. What's something that you can pull away from the day that you don't ever want to forget? Write that one thing down every day. 
and watch how your mindset will start to shift to that direction. So I wanted to offer that as a practice. Well, that, that's really, really, really interesting. And, you know, sometimes when we sit quietly and we do that, you know, use that as a tool, all right, um, the mind can come forward with a lot of things. Sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good, you know, but it can also be creative, and that's good. That's good. I like that. I really do. So now you know, you had mentioned, too, at the very beginning, um, oh, actually before the show started, did you talk about the banner or something? Did you say something about a banner? Um, what did you mention? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I thought you said you had created some sort of banner and you want people to know about it, and you asked me if I had received it, and I get so many oh, emails. Oh, oh, oh. yes. I yeah. Was, uh, that was for you. Um, since you had said you looked at my Facebook page, I wanted to see if you saw the flyer that I shared. Oh, Okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. no, that, that's okay. And, you know, people should know about that because, you see, you're so creative. And um, I, I just glanced at your, yeah, I just uh, glanced at your, your web page there, and I didn't have a chance to really spot on to anything because the show is about ready to start. <laughs> okay. So uh, I wanted to get more of what was in the bio. But uh, that's how I saw, you know, that you're definitely a beauty queen and all that other stuff. And, um, you know, you, I, I think you're amazing, and, and I know that uh, that Lori thinks you're amazing, and Bill thinks you're amazing, and I think that you know what strikes me. So once in a while, we will get someone on like yourself, who didn't have to feel that they had to turn to alcohol, drugs, and and all this mm-hmm. other stuff um, to uh, to get you know to feel better. Yeah, you know what I'm saying by mm-hmm. that. You know, Mm -hmm. to feel better because, you see, we're so filled with pain so many times. And, um, you know, so we don't know what to do with ourselves. And, uh, you know, a long time ago, they certainly didn't have counselors or or therapists or or psychiatrists that even understood, you know, a lot of the things that we're going through. They didn't get it. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have gotten it. And that's another reason why people kept their mouths shut. Like you mentioned, you did say Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't know who to go to anyway. Now, today is better that way, okay? It's getting better. Let's put it that way. It's getting better. And so often kids, you know, they don't want to go to family members because family members have big mouths like me. You know what I'm saying? I have a big mouth. (laughs) And they're going to go and go, you know what happened to so-and-so, like this, because you're so upset, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, people have to learn the right way, if a, if a child comes to them with a problem that's happening with a family member or someone outside of the family, you know, how to, you know, speak to that child, okay? Mm-hmm. They have to. Mm-hmm. And that's another way of, and teachers are good people because, you know, a lot of times you, uh, you, you're able to reach children. Maybe they feel comfortable with you. They might come to you and say, hey, this is what's going on in school. And maybe you can even see for yourself that this kid, and you mentioned that earlier, that maybe a kid is a little bit different. And uh, so teachers are, you know, good people for kids to go to also. We have the Mm -hmm. good, the bad, and the ugly in every walk of life, okay? There's good teachers, there's bad teachers, there's good police officers, there's bad police officers, whatever. There's good priests and there's bad priests. And... uh, Good priests are what got a hold of me and straightened me out. 
I think I was afraid of them, <laughs> but they were wonderful, yeah. you know. But, you know, so I want to thank you for coming on this show because, uh, you. and I wish you the best, you know, and, 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 and what you're doing here with your, your beauty contests and everything. And, uh, you know, and, and then all what you're trying to do, using that as a platform, too, for all of the many works that you've already created and what you're going to create, like Lori said, you know, you've just begun, Okay, mm-hmm. you may not realize this, but um, you have the ambition, you have the knowledge, and you're just going to create and create and create because you also have the passion, and that's a good yeah. thing. Thank you. So, you you consider yourself to be, you know, a NASCA family member because that's what you are now. When people come on and they tell their stories and they trust us enough to do that, um First of all, it makes us feel good that they trust us enough. And secondly, you do become a NASCA member. So yeah, you've got a phone number. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so you, you can call any night you want, okay? And and you can be the one on the panel asking questions like Lori does or like Philip does or like Bill when he's, you know, not so busy in the back and, and uh, <laughs> so forth, you know. And we need that. So uh, yeah. let's see. What time do you have? My my clock is off. I think we have three minutes yet. Um, so I, I'll get a 90-second cue in my ear. It's a very annoying voice. They should change their voice on that. <laughs> but anyway, um, what, what I want to get across here is that people come from all walks of life, and they can either implode or explode, like I said earlier. They can become teachers like what you are, and that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and we need more people in the field, okay, to go out and to help people, to help kids and to understand what they're going through. And mm-hmm. you'd be surprised. Uh, when I was over at Centenary, um, Gaithers is now take that over. Thank you very much. But anyway, <laughs> that's all right if they do good work. But um, you'd be surprised how many of the professors over there didn't know enough about child you know, abuse. You yeah. just didn't know, you know. And then also, too, I spoke to police officers one night, and everything I, I said, they said they were going to take back to the academy because who knows better, like I said much earlier, and like you've mentioned, like we all mentioned, if you don't walk in the footsteps of a person who's been abused, you're not going to have 100% knowledge of how that person feels. That's what I was trying to draw out of you. A little bit of you know how you feel as a child who's been abused, and and Lori certainly touched upon that, you know because we feel lost, we feel stupid, we feel ugly, we go through that. We have no mm-hmm. self-esteem, and uh, we just have all. We're sad. We're sad children, and many mm-hmm. times those children do try to commit suicide. I tried at seventeen, and there's so many of us on NASCA that went through that. Yeah. And the very fact, young lady, I don't call you young lady because you still sound 22 to me, but the very <laughs> fact that you that you survived and, and you've been able to create all these different things. And why don't yes. you say one more thing about what's going to be coming out, would you say in April or May, the book or whatever? Mention that quickly because we're going to end here in a minute. Yes. Um, Stop the Silence. There's an organization called Stop the Silence, Stop Child Sexual Abuse. There's a book project coming out 
I'm one of the co-authors. It'll be released in April, and I'm excited to share not only my story um, briefly, but my technique in healing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's something that people have to learn is the technique. They need tools mm-hmm. to work with. That's what they need. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times I get people in the AM and, and they're stuck. And I, I know they're always going to stay stuck. We can't help everyone, Lakeisha, okay? Yeah. But if mm-hmm. we can offer tools to them, and this book that you're talking about is very much needed so that, uh, hey, maybe night out will get more sleep. <laughs> you know, take and open up your book instead, you know, and say, oh, I can do this and I can do that. You know, here's some tools to work with. And, um, you know, but they, they need it. It's needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So books like that are, are very much appreciated. So I want everybody to say good night to Lakeisha, okay? Um, Lori, hurry up and good say good night. Good night, Lakeisha. Good. You are a wonderful, wonderful yeah. guest. Just never stop what you're doing. Thank you. And, Nancy, I know you're late to the game, but uh, you can say good night, too. Good night, Lakeisha, and thank you. I'll listen to the... What is it, like the review, you know, when they have the archive? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be great. And then also, too, if you want to hear the whole show, we do have the archives. And it's, it, you go to the NASCA website, org. It's right now on the front page on the right-hand side. You can click on to that, Nancy, and you can hear the whole show okay, if you choose to do that, okay? Right. right. Yeah, okay. I'm going to do that. Yeah. And, and Philip. Say good night real quick. Good night. Thank you for coming on the show. There Thank you go. You okay, and Bill's working, so I'm not going to bother him. him. Well, I want to, I want to say one quick thing. Yeah, hurry up. The book that she's, the book that she's okay, Carol. The book that she's mentioning is, uh, you know, from as she said, "Stop the Silence." That's Pamela Pine. We've been around NASCA for years. Uh, it's a very good friend of ours, and. Um, she actually asked me to participate in writing a chapter, but I, I didn't have time. So instead, she came back to me after the book was written with the draft of the book and uh, gave it to me, and she asked me to write a uh, a review. So I'm also oh. in there <laughs> with a review. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, how about that? But we, um, we do promote uh, Stop the Silence and have for years, so I just want you to know that, Lakeisha. Oh, thank you so much for your support. You're oh, quite that's welcome. good. All right, and uh, of course I would not have known that. Yeah. So anyway, okay, everyone, I, um, I'm going to have to close this up now. And um, so have a good weekend. Have a safe weekend. God bless you. And we will be back again on Monday night. Okay. So thank you so much, Lakeisha. You know the days, and and you you call in. Okay. When okay. You can. Thank. You. Okay, bye-bye now. Good night, everybody. Night. Love Talk Radio. Night, Bill. Night now.
Okay, honey. That was a good show. She, she's she's a beautiful woman, and she's yeah, a, she a, she's like a movie she's like a movie star or something. Yeah, <laughs> she know, really she's got great energy for sure. Yeah, she does, and you know I hope she stays focused though on child abuse. Okay, because. Uh, Okay. You see, when you're on those platforms, I remember that from years ago, once in a while I would listen, okay, to watch those shows. And if someone worked in the field like what we're doing here, they'd let them talk about it. And that's really a good promo. It's a good promotional thing. Yeah. So, all right. Good night. <laughs>